2: Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Manu Samoa Lok Kane Leo Pepe reflects on a whirlwind year in which he made his test and super rugby debut. And the Solomon Islands will compete at the Under-17 Men's Football World Cup after all, after an appeal against sanctions for fielding an overage player was upheld. But first, a former Wallaby international says anyone who believes Israel Folau has the right to publicly express his views on sexuality has no place in the sport. The Wallabies' fullback Folau has been found guilty by Rugby Australia of committing a high-level breach of their code of conduct. The decision comes after a three-day hearing on whether his social media post that said hell drunks, homosexuals, adulterers and others was a breach of its rules. A panel is now considering sanctions. The journalist and former Wallabies international Peter Fitzsimons told Susie Ferguson Israel Folau's time in rugby is effectively over.
1: I think his rugby career ended when he post-put it up there, that that was such a betrayal on so many levels. I mean, to begin with, with your Wallaby teammates and your Waratahs teammates, the point's been made. When, when he put that post up, his team, the Waratahs, were second on the table. They're now second bottom on the table. The Wallabies, you know, really derailed in their World Cup campaign five months out. He, he lost the dressing room. He lost the coach. He lost Rugby Australia. The moment he put that post up, what we're engaged in now, engulfed in now, is the legal process of whether it was a formal breach of his contract. Now, personally, I have no doubt that it was a breach of his contract. The system was, Rugby Australia said to him, we basically last year when he signed that contract, we forgive you for the agony you put us through for three weeks last year when you put a post up like that, when we were hemorrhaging support, sponsorship fans, and we're going to commit to you 4 by $1 million over the next four years. By the account of Rugby Australia, they said, do you commit to us not to put posts up like that again? He said, yes, this is this is a paraphrasing the conversation and what we've been through in the last few days is a testing of were those commitments made, did he breach those commitments, are we justified, therefore, in tearing up his contract? Mm. And the first answer that's come back after round one of what may be 15 rounds, we'll see that the first round says serious legal beagles have looked at this, look black-letter law, did he commit, did he breach? Answer that's come back is, yes, he breached, yes, you're gone.
0: But only coming after Rugby Australia offered him a million dollars to walk away. So how likely that, is, that is it that this could be an appeal?
1: There is one report of that that has not been confirmed. I don't know. Rugby Australia certainly hasn't hasn't said that. But even now, so, you know, one of the things I've been saying in Australia, within the rugby community, he's got really one vocal supporter and one vocal supporter only, and that is Alan Jones, hashtag, I rest my case. If you've got Alan Jones in your corner, you're in real trouble. Because his his track record of supporting people in losing cases is phenomenal. I mean, it goes dozens of them. And he's got this thing, Alan Jones, where he does support people that have got no support. And he's, you know, he's, I just actually saw a download of something he said on YouTube, which Israel Falau uttered the four most dangerous words you can. I am a Christian. And so, Alan, he's not being... He's not being terminated in his contract because he's a Christian. There's heaps of Christians in in rugby. Nobody cares. But what terminated because he breached his contract not to engulf Australian rugby in this kind of a storm.
0: But there is potentially a bigger ripple effect here with other Pacific Island players who may share similar views to Israel Folau.
1: Okay, and the answer to those Pacific Islanders is twofold. Number one, we love you blokes. You're you're terrific, you know, you're you're wonderful people and you're great rugby players. Number two, if you're deeply offended and you're on the Israel side on this and you feel so strongly you're going to leave, we'll miss you. But Rugby Australia and the Australian rugby community are not going to have people wearing the Wallaby jersey that put up public posts that say that gays are going to burn in hell. The gays have had centuries of vilification. We're not doing that anymore. And as a rugby code... We are not going to align ourselves with people that put that out in the public domain, into the section. So if you're offended and if you want to leave, we're really sorry that it's come to this, but we'll miss you. I
0: remember talking to you a couple of weeks ago about all of this while it was going on, and you said, oh, I think you'll pick up a contract elsewhere, probably in France. Do you still mm. think that's likely?
1: No, no. I think the, the most likely destination in France was Toulon which could have matched and even gone higher. I mean, when, when he first put it, I just thought, how, how can he have done this without having another contract online? Because I saw that at 5 PM on a Wednesday afternoon, and I tweeted at 10 past five, he won't make sundown tomorrow. You just, you know, the, the, the context in which he put that is breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking that he put that up. Given what happened last year, there was no way he could hold on. Now, I thought at the time, so he must have, you know, as, a, as an intelligent man, he must have had, you know, a fullback position. Apparently not. And England, Great Britain has said, well, I mean, the culture there is just no. There was one fellow in England who had a TV contract, who I think is in the back row for the England rugby team, who pressed the like, and he didn't make sundown either. I mean, that was how strong the feeling is in terms of his TV contract, uh, that's how strong the feeling is in England. You know, remember there was a fellow, I think his name's Glenn Hoddle, who used to be the England coach, and he, I mm. think uh, it was in 2003, he put out there that people with disabilities, it was it was karma for what had happened in a previous life, it was God, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't make sundown the next day either. I mean, you're just, in the 21st century, putting out that kind of stuff. I mean, one of, one of the things is people say... Freedom of religion. Okay, this is not about freedom of religion. In the end, it's about employment law. What did you contract to do? But if you want to go down the religious path, yes, everybody's got the right to believe what they want to believe. However, when he puts out there that gays are going to go to hell, we'll leave aside for the moment the the existence of hell, hashtag please, but... The idea that the uh, the premise of gays are going to go to hell is the idea that gay people make Mm. a choice to be gay. And the answer is, we know, absolutely, this is not for discussion. They don't. Some kids are born with blonde hair. Some kids are born with black hair. Some kids are born straight. Some kids are born gay. It's all natural. And so if you're putting out really Mm. damaging stuff like that, you've got a case to answer.
2: That's journalist and former Wallaby rugby international Peter Fitzsimons. Manu Samoa Lock Kane Leo Pepe is still pinching himself after a whirlwind year, which has seen him go from playing club rugby in the Bay of Plenty to making his international and super rugby debut. The 26 year old was called into the Hurricanes squad at the end of March, making his debut off the bench against the defending champion Crusaders. Leo Pepe, who was also a late call up to Samoa's end of year tour squad in November, admits everything has happened very quickly.
3: Still getting used to things, but starting to feel more comfortable, yeah, yeah, definitely in the whole environment. The boys make it a lot easier as well. Um, they've been welcoming from the start, so that's sort of made it a lot easier coming into an unfamiliar environment and trying
2: to learn as much as I can. And whilst you're new to Super Rugby and this environment at, at this level, I guess you, you spend a lot of time here in Wellington, obviously, so you, you know the place, so I guess it helps being in familiar
3: surroundings? Yeah, definitely. Like Coming home It's been great, just sort of go straight back in with family, made the transition a bit easier, missing the warmer weather from up north, but now being in a a familiar place helps adjusting to everything.
2: Is it kind of weird that obviously, you know, your career has been a bit of a slow burner uh, to, you know, you make the move up north, and and that obviously does wonders for your career, kick-starts everything off, and and suddenly you find yourself back here? Yeah, well, well, like you said, it basically happened out of the blue,
3: so Um, I guess everything happens for a reason. Moved up to the bay, that was my stepping stone, um, they did, they, they did a lot for me and um, a lot of support up there with like, my partner as well and her family, so um, helped push me through with rugby and uh, sort of come in a full circle, uh, made my way back here now and I'm in with these boys, so I'm just grateful for every opportunity that's come my way. And I'm guessing you, you weren't expecting 12, 18 months ago that you'd find yourself in this situation? Well, in a lifetime really, I never expected ever to play super rugby, so to be here now is pretty good, a bit late to the party at 26, but... Um, yeah, I've never, never, definitely last year, never thought I'd even be playing um, playing Super. I mean, at the start of the year, I was not even thinking about playing Mighty Ten, so I thought it was sort of over that that whole childhood dream and whatnot was over. But now it's all happening now, so I'm pretty stoked. What what was this a dream of yours? You know, back when you were at school? Not not while I was at school at oh, Like college and stuff it was more like a childhood dream so growing up been a fan of the hurricanes always been a fan of the hurricanes but throughout college uh went away from the whole rugby side of things um never took it seriously I've, I've said it I've said before I was a bit lazy and stuff growing up so um it wasn't until a couple of years ago where I really thought about giving it a good crack and
2: um well lucky enough here I am so it sort of worked out Yeah, and obviously it's been a particularly uh, whirlwind sort of six or more months, I guess. Uh, ITM Cup, obviously uh, getting opportunity with the steamers and and obviously that new environment up there and suddenly that flows on to a test call up for Samoa and and here you are in Super Rugby. I mean, how how do you describe, how do you reflect on that sort of whirlwind period? It's all a bit of a blur,
3: to be honest. Like, um, I, I couldn't believe it, so... Playing for the Bay, that was obviously an awesome privilege for me, but then getting the call-up as injury cover for Samoa was unexpected, definitely. I never, like I said, never expect to play Super Rugby, let alone international, so um, to do that, even when I was on my way there, I still couldn't believe I was actually on the tour with the boys, and um, to get there was uh, well, a massive moment for me, and I guess it really helped uh,
2: kick-start this whole thing with Super as well, getting that international exposure. You find yourself starting three test matches, um... Steve Jackson, uh, I spoke to him during the tour and unprompted, I, I don't think I knew who you were at the time, to be <laughs> fair, but but, you know, he unprompted, This is, that's his quote about you, I can't understand why he's not playing Super Rugby at the moment, if you were to say put him in the top three of standout players on tour he'd be right up there, played every single minute of every single game and was absolutely outstanding, so you've obviously got a big fan in him and when you've got a World Cup coming yeah. up later this year, it's a good man to be popular with, Um, what what did you learn in that environment with Mauri Samoa under him and, and the rest of the team?
3: I learned a lot about uh the physicality of things as well, like becoming playing that uh, Muni Samoa game. Our whole thing on that tour was putting fear back in the jersey, and um, that because Samoa obviously in the past had been a physical team, which is bringing back that physicality and um, just being ruthless around that um, physical contact and whatnot. So, learning about that, I, I, learned, I learned a lot. Like like the rugby side of things um, was obviously a bit of a step up from Mighty 10, but. Um, like the culture side of things as well, I learned heaps as well. I never grew up around that um, Samoan uh, surroundings and all that environment, so um, so learning that culture, so, cultural side of things uh, was awesome for me. Do you feel comfortable in that test environment with that team? Do you feel comfortable in this environment? Yeah, yeah both environments are comfortable now like, like I said the boys made it really easy and then in that um, international environment you sort of become a family when you're on tour, sort of living, sleeping, eating together for the whole month and um, so they became my family and Definitely comfortable in that environment as well as this environment here. The boys are like a big family too.
2: So, where does your Samoan background come from? Obviously, you've got yep. your, your name, obviously, but yeah, yeah. Um, and and what were your experiences of, of being Samoan growing up? Yeah. What did, what did you know about your culture and uh, sort of interactions you had? Uh, so, my great both my grandparents are from Samoa.
3: Um, villages are uh, Tunganu and Faleasiu, uh, and my dad grew up there as well. He came over when he was young. So, my grandparents brought them over sort of for a better life. That's what a lot of um, islanders were doing back then. Just uh try to um, set themselves up a bit better over here, get the kids a good education and whatnot. So, I mean, I was around my grandparents growing up, because my parents split when I was young, so um, I didn't see too much of my dad growing up. I see a lot of them now, but um, I, I was still around my grandparents and stuff. It's just we were never really um, spoken to in Samoa, so my first Samoa obviously isn't that great. So, yeah, we got brought up with my mum, so more on, on the English side. And what did it mean for your family to, to for you to play for Samoa? Oh, it was a special moment, my dad, yeah, my dad was uh, especially proud. My grandparents were really proud. Um, they've always sort of my grandpa said he always wanted a grandchild either in the black jersey or the blue jersey. So um, to fulfil that dream for him was probably more special than doing it for me myself. But, yeah, so everything I do, really, is all for my family and my partner. And, yeah, I'm just enjoying living the dream as long as I can, really, for as long as I can. And, obviously,
2: it's a big year. Uh, Super Rugby's still ticking along. But, obviously, there's that obvious carrot in Japan of a a World Cup possibility. Um, you're a part of the tour. You've, you did well in November. It must be something that's at the very least in the back of your mind. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's definitely at the back of my mind. I'm sure it'll be in the back of anyone's mind.
3: Um, for now, though, I'm just trying to concentrate on how I do in this environment and um, perform my best for the Canes boys and just take every opportunity that's that's given to me. But definitely once this once this season's over, I'll, I'll be concentrating on that World Cup and um, working my way hopefully towards a, a spot on that side.
2: That's the Samoa and Hurricanes lock Kane Leo Pepe. The Solomon Islands is once again bound for the Under-17 Men's Football World Cup after an appeal against sanctions for fielding an overage player was upheld. It's been a whirlwind few days for the team, who also finished runners-up at the UEFA International Development Tournament in Belarus. Coach Stanley Wieter says the players worked hard and deserve their success.
4: I'm extremely happy because of their performance. Uh, They did extremely well. Um, I did not expect them to perform that far, but they saw some character. They saw a lot of energy and going to Europe to play in that tournament is like we don't know what the level or how did uh, other countries in Europe play? But we just go there without knowing anything, and we just perform with our heart. Uh, like you say, coming out of disappointment, we um, saw with the our under-17, which we got disciplined by the OSCE. Uh, for me, uh, I'm extremely happy, and I want to thank the UEFA uh, assist with OFC for giving us a chance to show uh, Europe that we can play football.
2: You know, after each match, did you sense the players started to get more confident? Because as you say, they didn't know what to expect going into it. But obviously after you get a good result against Jersey in the warm-up and then you beat Moldova, that that must mean the players start to feel like actually, yes, you know, we belong at this level. We can compete with these teams.
4: Uh, yes, uh, we started off in Jersey uh, a bit slower. The weather there contributes a lot because you know coming out of the tropics and then you go to a very cold country. Uh, it's a big difference. So uh, we started off slow, slowly, and then when we go into our first game against Moldova, the boys start slowly, but they picked up quite quickly, which I did not expect them to perform that far. But we pick up until uh, we, we finish off the tournament with. Uh, Kazakhstan. Uh, Kazakhstan is our best game uh, that we played in uh, uh, in the tournament.
2: Yeah, and you ended that you ended that game with only nine players. Uh, Rafaela scored in every game and was was sent off in that game, and you had another player sent off. Do you do you think if you'd had eleven players on the field, you would have won?
4: Uh, for sure, yeah. Uh, it's something that my players need to learn. Uh, that's what we uh, we're going to Europe for. It's to learn. Uh, it's. A lot of things to learn before we go to the World Cup. It's discipline inside the field. So Rafael was, as you say, he scored in every game. He he plays fantastically uh, well. So, uh, but it's all about discipline. That's something that we could learn from uh, when into training camps and uh, going to the World Cup.
2: Was there any interest in any of the players? Were there any scouts from clubs or or, or countries over there that were you know impressed by any of your players?
4: Uh, yes, uh, someone approached us, but we have some procedure to follow, so uh, I will not comment on that. We need to go, uh, like I said, follow procedure, so I'm not in the position to to talk about that.
2: OK, and uh, I guess the other big thing is you went over to the tournament thinking we don't get to go to the World Cup, but you know at least we've got this opportunity. And of course, whilst you're still over there, the OFC appeals decision comes back and, and finds that it's upheld and Sullivan Islands do get to go to the World Cup. So what was the reaction like amongst the squad when when you heard that news?
4: Oh, yeah. that was exciting because it was early in the morning in Belarus when we heard that news and the boys were crazy. Um, they went crazy in the morning and we are, we don't know what to say um, because we thought that we're not going to the World Cup. But, you know, the, the feelings of the... All the boys were. They were emotional, emotionally, emotionally, uh, express how they feel. Some, some were in tears of joy. So,
2: because I guess you that... can
4: feel how, how, how those players feel. They were exciting and feel emotion.
2: Yeah, because I guess the hard thing for all of those players was, wasn't it, that none of them did anything wrong. They played brilliantly in the Oceania Championships, and um, through no fault of their own, um, you know, one other player. Uh, you know, they had this opportunity initially taken away from them. So, um, you know, they, they now get to look forward to this World Cup in Brazil. And, you know, whatever you learned in Europe, you now get to put that into practice uh, on the biggest stage of all, the World Cup.
4: The boys deserve to go to the World Cup. Uh, we have done extremely well from the World Cup qualifier and we saw some characters that uh, we can compete with other countries in the world. So, it's a great news for us uh, that we're going to the World Cup so that uh, the boys show that we can compete with other countries in the
2: world. That's the Solomon Islands under-17 football coach Stanley Waiata. And that's the World and Sport for this week. I'm Vinny Wiley. As always, thanks very much for listening. <laughs>